welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the texts we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary contexts, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast, we're following up on uh, the first in a series uh, on... Lightened by light. the light. Yes, mm-hmm. lightened by the light. Jesus. And looking at uh, Isaiah 60 and looking at some kind of larger epiphany themes in, uh, in general. So let's jump right into it. Well, let me say first before I forget that um, those of you that were listening live stream yesterday morning, if you want a copy of the prayer card we talked about, you can either get it on the Calvary app. Is it on the website, Isaac? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, the, the app's the best way to get it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. the app's the best way to get it. Or you can pick it up whenever you happen to be here, because we pulled those all out of the bulletin yesterday morning. We had some folks who came after hearing it on the live stream, came and picked them up yesterday. Because they wanted a hard copy. Because they wanted a hard copy, and we had a number of folks come by and want to take extra copies to family or to friends. And so they still they're still available if you want one of those. So anyway. Thought we would uh, maybe talk a bit about Epiphany this morning. Not much mentioned yesterday about that, um, but uh, it's uh, it's it's part of the season. Epiphany was actually on January the sixth, which was Saturday. Um, in the Catholic tradition, Sunday would have been the celebration, uh, but Epiphany means manifestation. Um, and uh, it's been recognized as a feast day in many traditions. But for as many traditions as there are, there are many, uh, many applications and ways to celebrate Epiphany. Um, for instance, the Catholic Church does it on January the 6th. Uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church does it on January the 19th. And Protestant search churches are a bit over the place, but sometimes they'll talk about the Epiphany season and go actually from the day of Epiphany, January 6th, clear through Ash Wednesday. Um, and again, I, uh, I, even within the Christian community, even within the United Methodist Church, there are, are varied ways of celebrating that. And in some places, it's not really celebrated at all. Uh, uh, it's interesting how uh, maybe what it was intended. It was created by the church, probably the third or fourth century as a way of celebration. Uh, most of what we do was created by somebody uh, as ways of celebration or remembrance or not wanting to forget or something. Um, but Epiphany in and of itself um, even makes reference into several different directions. One is, uh, one is the baptism of Jesus. One is the uh, coming of the wise men. Uh, and a third one sometimes is connected is the uh, turning of water into wine. Um, and it literally was a feast day. Um, I, as I, I haven't reflected on Epiphany for a number of years, uh, um, although I've practiced Epiphany um, celebrations at different times as close to the day, uh, I know in the district when I was uh, on the cabinet, uh, we did an epiphany party as opposed to a Christmas party. 
uh, partly because most of our pastors were just so deeply engaged in the season, and we wanted to do something to celebrate. In fact, I think that's what we did here last year was, was, an, a, staff. was a staff epiphany party, although I don't know that it date wasn't wise, on epiphany day. it was connected no. to the day at all. No, and um, we said we were going to do that this year, too, so it, it may be a Lenten party. We haven't had it yet, yeah. so maybe a July 4th party. Yeah, but uh, it's interesting in some of the history of the church and how it was celebrated and how we've ended up mm-hmm. where we are here. Um, I'm not. Sh- I'm, I'm not sure. This is not. It's just a, a critical wondering uh, because it's it's been forty years since I was in seminary, and so I don't remember all the details of of all. Oh, we of have the one things. who does remember well, everything. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, so, but my observation is is that um, um, Epiphany, and, and it's celebrated in so many different ways. That's the interesting part: is that uh, uh, how it's celebrated. If you're in Bulgaria, rather than a feast day, you jump into the icy waters of the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's I'm a practice in there. some places, but personally, that's not my way. I would celebrate anything. Anything, yeah. Uh, in other countries, there's an exchange of gifts and fireworks and a parade. Uh, there's the gift piece that comes into it. Um, there's also in some in, in Mexico, and I'm not I'm not I don't have a handle on the uh, the language at all. So I'm sure I'm going to butcher this, but it's called the Rosca de Reyes, the King's Bread, and uh, that's a part of the celebration. And in some places, they put a figurine of Jesus mm-hmm. in the bread when they slice it, and it's considered to be a special blessing. That's a big deal in New Orleans, you know. To, to oh, really? The, yeah. It really. I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't realized that. Um, Somewhere that I served, uh, um, you know, the churches all run together except Calvary. That's very specific to me. But mm-hmm. the other churches all run together, and and I think it was in a primarily. Uh, a German area. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember, but they did the king's bread a lot, and they would. I mean, they would bring it to church. <laughs> so I, I eat it during Sunday school. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I just find some of it interesting. I um, in the 1950s, for instance, in Britain, um, the uh, Epiphany, the night of Epiphany on January 6th, was the night for wassailing. Mm-hmm. And that was actually going out and singing carols and Christmas songs. Uh, in Drury Lane Theater in London, there's been a tradition since 1795 uh, when Robert Badeley, I'm probably butchering his name, left an endowment to have cake and punch every year for the company at the theater on that day. And although the money's long gone, that tradition still continues, which just – I just find it interesting. Uh, if if we go to the Greek Orthodox Church traditions, and for some reason the last year and a half I've been interested in the Greek Orthodox Church uh, just uh, um, more in the sense of uh, uh, orthodox means correct thinking. And part of their issue with the Catholics and with the Protestants is they think in some areas we don't have correct thinking. So I, I've just been and interested. They're right. And they're probably right. And they may or may not anyway. be right. Who knows? But anyway, uh, in some European countries, children leave their shoes out the night before to be filled with gifts. 
while others leave straw for the king's horses. <laughs> According to the Greek Orthodox Church tradition, a priest will bless the waters by throwing a cross into it as the worshipers try to retrieve it. Hmm. Um, the water isn't cold. Again, Eastern Orthodox, a priest will throw a cross into the sea, and then there's a race to see who gets it the fast. I don't know what the reward is. Um, anyway, there's just lots of, lots of different ways that folks celebrate not only Epiphany, but I think Christmas as well. And I, I just look at our traditions in this country, and without being cynical, I'm really not in that mode this morning, but it looks like we've taken a whole bunch of things and tried to compress them and probably lost some meaning. Because uh, at one point in time, the church celebrated the birth of Jesus for 12 days, uh, whereas we try to compact it into one day. At one point in time, the, the, the gift giving was not about individuals receiving gifts, but it was about gifts given to the poor. Um, and even some, some thought about um, when the wise men came and the gifts they brought to Jesus uh, was 12 days after Christmas. And on that day identified as his birth, there would have been gifts given directly to the poor. I don't know if that's where some of our... Twelve days of Christmas. Well, in. yeah, I don't know if that's where some of our our urging is. On urging probably isn't an, an adequate word. Our urging is to do something for somebody else before Christmas time. During that Advent season, we seem to be more bent towards thinking about somebody else. Um I don't know if where that's come from, and it's just been kind of twisted and turned over the generations. I mean, I could be cynical and said, I believe corporations have turned that into gift-giving because there was to be no luxury in those gifts given at that, whether it was on the Christmas Day or whether it was on the, the, uh, at, at the festival for the uh, Day of Epiphany. They were not about luxury gifts or items, and certainly that has twisted itself around. Uh, putting gifts in the children's shoes, you know, <laughs> Lord have mercy, how have we turned that around? The stockings hung on the fireplace. Again, I'm not yeah. being cynical. It's, it's ways to celebrate, and it's, there's nothing really bad there. But I, I sometimes wonder that we have not lost some of the deep significance that the early church um, and again, it was created by them to find an expression of that event for mm -hmm. themselves at that point in time. So, I and in doing so, um, I mean, we even lose that by, um, and we, the three of us, have joked about uh, my my deal with the, the wise men, uh, but we throw them in with the whole Christmas tableau, and um, that's they weren't there. Um, uh, Jesus would have been about two years old when they came. And uh, so, you know, when uh, when you look at Epiphany, the days um, leading from uh, uh, January 6th until Ash Wednesday, that's the season of Epiphany, the first Sunday of Epiphany is the baptism of our Lord. And uh, the, way, <laughs> the way people in this church in the last four years remember Epiphany is when we turn the chairs the other way. Isn't that the day that we turn the chairs the other way? That is the day. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people yeah. will say, remember that day we turned the chairs the other way? <laughs> uh, well, that was Epiphany Sunday. 
because we celebrated the baptism of our Lord. Right. And we often do a reaffirmation or remembrance of our baptism. Um, in the United Methodist Church, we believe you don't ever have to be rebaptized. Jesus did that. <laughs> no matter how old you were, whether you remember it or not, it was good. It worked. Uh, so we don't have to be rebaptized. Um, but we want to remember our baptism, and we do that at uh, that time when we think about Jesus' baptism. We also do it. Anytime anyone is baptized, we don't necessarily use the water on everybody, but I mean, we don't use the water on everybody, but we we say that in our vows. And uh, so that's a a very important Sunday. And because we're doing a different kind of um, um, uh, series this year, uh, we're not doing the traditional Epiphany uh, 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 scriptures. But then on the last Sunday of Epiphany, it would be the Transfiguration. Um, and that's always those for me as a lectionary preacher were always bookends. <laughs> you always know, start with um, the baptism of Jesus and end Epiphany with the Transfiguration. And if I were um, not listening to anything else and I was going in, I would know exactly where I was because it was the Transfiguration. So Ash Wednesday must be close. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. Um, you know, going back, and, and this is not being cynical, it's just being truthful. Um, we talk about the wise men, and um, Scripture does not say there were three wise men. It says wise men from the East. It never says that they were kings. We assume that they were, there were three of them because they were, there were three gifts, um, and that's that's where we get the three gifts. Um, we do not know their names. Um, that was made up by I don't know who. Do you know who made those up, Isaac? Did you make I them up? I did, I did make I did make them up. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. No, I think it was ninth ninth century, maybe. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to go with that. We can look it up later. But okay. I, I'm pretty sure it's it's fairly late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I guess what I'm saying in this is, um, and I said this last week in the podcast, I'm, I'm really big on this. If if you hear something either in Hollywood or somewhere else, please look it up in Scripture. Um, we even had something in our materials for today that said, uh, you know, the three kings came and their names were, and I'm like, What? <laughs> It even said in Matthew, their names are given. And I looked in Matthew to see if maybe I had looked at the wrong Matthew all of these years. But indeed, my Matthew uh, doesn't have him in there. Um, most people believe that they were astrologers um, uh, rather than kings. Um, so. So just kind of dig deep and look at your sources when you look at some of these things. Um, as I said, the uh, we like to put the shepherds and the wise men and, and all of those people together at the manger, um, but the wise men wouldn't have been there. Um, and so nothing wrong with putting them there at the manger unless I'm in your house and then I'll remove them, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, from a from a storytelling perspective, from a what's going on here um, kind of situation, uh, you know, certainly the the magi, 
you know, it's a neutral word there. Yeah. We don't know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're, they're part of that. They're part of that um, birth narrative. Um, Certainly from a, from a writing perspective, it's, it's all encapsulated within that, that one kind of pericope or experience Mm -hmm. of, of uh, what's going on there. And, so it's easy to fold them into all that, um, and to, I mean, I think to understand them in that context is perfectly fine. Um, I think, you know, to to start saying this is what actually happened based on, you know, your woodcut figures or clay figurines <laughs> in your, you know, in yeah. your living room, never really a good idea, but. Um, you know, but why? Why the? I always think why the Magi at Epiphany, um, uh-huh. honestly, because that's the latest addition to the Epiphany tradition, mm-hmm. and really doesn't start to actually that text doesn't get included until a little bit later. Um, so it's not uh, um, it's not the first and core foundational text of of Epiphany, either the feast or the beginning of the season, however you want to look at that, you yeah. know, kind of depending if you're East or West or whatever. But, yeah. um, you know, that foundational text for um, Epiphany is the baptism right. uh, of Jesus. And so that's, uh, and that's why these weird traditions with water tend up tend to keep going in the East, like jumping into the sea, throwing crosses into ponds, the blessing of the water and the Eastern church. Um, even, even though it's later for them, it's still the same, the same thing. They calculate Christmas differently Mm -hmm. just because they Mm -hmm. want to. Um, but it's that idea again, that this, this revelation of Jesus is, is, uh, is expanding and it's becoming larger. And so uh, the Jordan's pretty much the lifeblood, you know, of, um, of Israel. And so, uh, Jesus expands into that. Um, and then the transfiguration, we end with that where, uh, it's not the lowest part with the, the Jordan, uh, lowest life-giving water, but now we're up on this mountain. And so everything sees that. And so, you know, we see Jesus as this small child who's a peasant and who is insignificant. And now we see him, you know, seated high. It's a very kind of, uh, beautiful story arc that the early church picked up in terms of arranging you know, it's it's scripture reading, um, but the the magi I think are just kind of this. It's this not an not an afterthought, but a, a it, with the prominence of Christmas rising. Christmas didn't used to be a big deal mm-hmm. at all. Um, it was a pretty minor kind of uh, experience in the church, uh, not insignificant, but just minor. It wasn't uh, life wasn't ordered around that like our lives are. Um, and so that became a concession, I think, um, and not really a foundation um, for that. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was looking back because, you know, when you said that, Isaac, I don't remember preaching about the Magi um, much. I, I'd have to go back to my records yeah. and see what I preached on, but I was looking at when that shows up in the lectionary because I have always preached on the baptism of our Lord on that first mm-hmm. Sunday. And right. um, so in some, uh, and, and if, if you're not a lectionary geek, you won't, this won't mean anything to you, but it's year B in the Revised Common Lectionary for well, Tell us the what first the lectionary Sunday. is. Everybody okay. may not know what that is. The lectionary is a... 
a group of scriptures that are suggested throughout the entire year. There's an Old Testament, a New Testament, a, well, let me go the other direction, an Old Testament, a Psalm, a Gospel, and uh, an Epistle, or, yeah, in the lectionary. And um, they are suggested scriptures that, and they, they have a year A, a year B, and a year C. And after you go through a full season, A, B, and C, you will have hit the major pieces of Scripture. So what they do um, for me is that they keep me from preaching on my favorite Scriptures. So uh, before coming to Calvary, I was I was pretty much a lectionary preacher uh, with a few series uh, thrown in there because it... it it did keep me from preaching on my favorites, and I would, after many, many years of preaching, I would look at my list of sermons I've preached and say, okay, on this Sunday in the lectionary, I've never chosen the Old Testament passage. I'm going to make myself preach from that, even though I don't like it. Yeah. Not that I don't like pieces of Scripture, folks, but some are easier to preach from. And and I would, well, you know, Randy's looking at me, and... um and I would, uh, that was a personal um, a goal of mine to help my churches um, to see the whole thing. And if, um, if you go to a, a Roman Catholic church and a United Methodist church uh, that is practicing uh, the lectionary, you'll see the same scriptures. I've had people say, you know what's really funny? I went to my sister in law's church on Sunday and they had the same scriptures as ours. Really? Well, the reason is that we're using the same lectionary, and so it kind of unifies us all. I, you know, as much as we preach in series here, I really like that. You know, that kind of a unification of us. Um, either one of you want to say anything about else about the lectionary? Okay. Okay. I, I probably could say that that has not been something I've practiced over the last years yeah. that I preached. Yeah. Never just got into it, and on occasion would turn to it for a short season, but never something that uh, I stayed with. Most of the time when I started something, I I couldn't get off of it one Sunday and just onto something else. It ended up being a longer teaching moment because I preach. I mean, I teach probably as much as I preach. And so that kind of teaching carried on from whatever one I started with. But anyway, it's just different. Right. So if you want to find out a little bit more, you can look up Revised Common Lectionary. Um, or lectionary, whatever you want to do, and and you'll see those in there. That's just kind of a, and it goes. It starts with the Christian year, the beginning of the Christian year, and the beginning of the Christian year is Advent, the first Sunday in Advent, and uh, the last Sunday in the Christian year is um, Christ the King Sunday, which is the Sunday before, obviously, <laughs> the first Sunday in Advent. So. Um, uh, when we talk about sometimes on on the first Sunday of Advent, I'll say Happy New Year because that for Christians is the first Sunday in our new year, um, and then it ends uh, at the Sunday before that. Um, so, right, and it's not a haphazard kind of thrown no, together no. Uh, collection of things. Um, no. It's not chronological. It's not even thematic, it's really ordered around um, uh, the, the, the story of Jesus, for lack of a better, uh, a better title. So its major anchors are the, the feast days, the big ones, um, you know, again, Easter, uh, Christmas, Pentecost, 
uh, Ash Wednesday, Lent. These kinds of these kinds of things are all uh, storytelling devices. The year itself reveals God to us, and that's um, you know something that uh, it's something that the the natural world does anyway, and that's what Israel was used to in terms of their cycle of seasons and celebrations. All of those are connected um, with the ground, you know, with the earth. And uh, the the early church was no different in terms of looking at those cycles of uh, the season and matching up um, their experience of what God was doing uh, in story form as well. And it's, um, <clears throat> you know, sometimes you... Uh, you hear these folks come along and say, well, that was just a, a, a pagan holiday that Christians converted into this or that. Christmas was really this winter solstice and Easter was really this uh, equinox. And yes, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. we recognize that God's doing something in the natural world as well. Um, they're not wrong and we're not right. I mean, it's, right. it's uh, exactly it's. Uh, and that's the beauty, I think, of uh, of that kind of um, that kind of structure is that it really does go lockstep with most of our experience. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't ever step outside hardly at all anymore. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> but um, but it is that same kind of experience with the natural world as well that it does uh, mirror that. Unless you live in the southern hemisphere, and that's all backwards. But um, <laughs> you know, right? Then, then you're in trouble. But, right. 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 Uh, but there is that 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 sense of um, again connection both with your on the ground experience and the experience of the story as well. And these scriptures are uh, arranged in such a way as to bring that out, to coax that out, and to to feel that you know more than something else. It, it might be fun for some of you who are listening this morning to go. We talked about that to go. And look at the lectionary, and also to go look at the Christian calendar mm-hmm. uh, for 2018, and see the cycles that are there. Um, whether or not we follow those um, intrinsically here, I'm I, I'm not sure, but I, I, there's a certain rhythm to those, really and a is. certain beauty to those. That even if we're not following that to a T in worship on Sunday morning. Uh, for instance, in staff prayer meeting, I will go to the lectionary and use one of those readings, oftentimes, to be the scripture we share during staff prayer meetings, because there's a rhythm to that. Um, so anyway, that's just. Uh, well, I, I, I think it's fun when you get when you when you loosen your belt just a little bit, and you can realize that other people find different ways to do things and other ways to to worship, and it's still okay. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be just the way that I learned, because what I learned may be more individual church tradition than it will be even uh, a broader picture of uh, how God's interacting in the world. Yeah, and just just another piece about that. Um, There are a lot of churches that will use all four readings um, every Sunday from the lectionary, and then just preach on one of them and maybe refer to the others. Um, Why has that gone away in some churches? Because quite honestly, people don't necessarily want to hear. They will say, gosh, there's so much scripture in, in worship, which is pretty funny because that's what we're, um, that's what we're there for. Um, and and um, in our society, 
um, all over in our society. It's a needs-based thing. People come to church primarily uh, based on, I have a need, how can God fill it? And so that's why pastors have gone to series uh, around needs um, and uh and not necessarily every scripture. If we were lectionary, if we were lectionary preachers, we would fill needs with every scripture because that's what scripture does. Uh, but we just organize them differently when we preach in um, in series. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think the music is coming up, Isaac. Sure is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for uh, <clears throat> thanks for listening today, and we'd love to keep the conversation going with you. If you have questions, comments, uh, you can uh, find us on uh, Facebook or. Uh, Twitter, email, whatever, uh, we will uh, will find your uh, question or or, uh, or comment, and we'll be back next week with a deeper dive into, uh, I believe, Psalm. Uh, Psalm. I'm working on that. I I should yep. have that right in front of me, right. but I don't. So Sorry, it's it's a Psalm, Psalm 104. It is. Psalm, yeah. It but is. again, we're coming yeah. back with the light of Jesus. We are. That's we're coming true. back with the light of Jesus. Right. Yeah. So until then, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.